Good morning. Thanks to the, the band for that wonderful leading of us into worship. If everyone could uh, take your seats. My name is Gavin. For those of you who, who don't know me, um, I have a, a wonderful wife by the name of Robin and a wonderful little boy by the name of Samuel. He turned three years old uh, on Friday, so we had a great day celebrating him. If you're wondering why I sound very similar to the host and even look very similar, it's because we're both from South Africa. My wife and I and our family, we, we relocated here four years ago uh, to, to Amsterdam because we felt the call of God on our, on our lives to, to be here. So I'm going to, uh, to speak from the Word today and we're going to continue in our, uh, in our series that we're doing through Ephesians on the armor of God. And uh, we've heard in the past couple of weeks from uh, from Matt and from Michiel and from Ludo, who have really, really given us great uh, meat or, or on the bones to feed on in, in terms of the word. So I would highly encourage you to go and listen to those sermons if you haven't done so. Uh, they really are, really are great and helpful. Um, so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to read the, the scripture again that we've read over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and then we're going to focus on a particular part of, of this passage, which relates to prayer and how we get strength from, from prayer. And what we're going to do, what we're going to explore this morning, uh, is we're going to look at a couple of things. And the first thing we're going to look at is how Jesus taught us to pray and, and, and exactly the instruction that he gave us uh, to do this. What we're going to do after that is then we're going to look at the what. So what did, what did Paul say we must pray when we armor ourselves with uh, the armor of God? And finally, what we're going to do is we're going to see Jesus modeling this. We're going to look through John 17, which shows us just how Jesus actually does this himself. And we get to see uh, an example of this being put into action. So to start, let's read the, the passage together. So I was actually contemplating this a few weeks ago. You know, 15 years ago, someone would get up and, and want to share a message, and they would say, can everyone turn off their cell phones? Now I get to say to you, please take out your cell phones and open your Bible app, because that's where we have our, our Bible. Or if you have a, a real copy, that's also great. But if you'll flip with me to Ephesians 6, uh, we'll start over there. And I have it over here, I believe. Uh, otherwise, if you don't have a Bible with you, as Matt likes to say, it will appear on the screen as if by magic. And so you can follow along there as well. So let's pick it up from uh, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So let's pray. Father, we, we come to you this morning and just we recognize your, your magnificence and just your, 
your incredible presence in this room and with us as we meet together as a church. We just want to declare you this morning as holy and as the ultimate provider of our truth and as the author and perfecter of our faith. And as we work through the scripture this morning, as we work through this topic of prayer and how that relates to the, to the armor of God, won't you, won't you strengthen us and won't you be with us? Won't you just speak to us and open our hearts? Won't you help us to see how this is such an important part of our lives? Yeah, we just thank you that uh, we get to have conversation with you. So won't you help us to, to explore this and see this this morning? Amen. So um, what we're going to do is I'm going to zoom in on one of the scriptures first. It's Ephesians 6 verses 18. Um, and we're going to focus on this particular passage today. And what I've done is I've actually taken the NIV translation just to, to change the language a little bit because what I want us to see is what Paul is trying to, to say here. Um, so let's read this quickly. And prayer in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So as a, as a family, I've grown up with prayer as part of my life, uh, and I've tried to carry that on personally in, in my current life with uh, my wife, Robin, and, and our little boy. And we have seen God do some incredible things in our life because we've always been intentional about defaulting to prayer. And even if I think back to our story as a, as a couple, myself and my wife, I had to spend 18 months pursuing her because she was, took some time to come around, let's put it that way. But that whole period, I was in prayer and asking God, give me the strength and the grace to see this thing through. And it's not just on, on those types of things, but on everything. We, when it comes to us buying a house or renting an apartment or even making the move to Amsterdam, we have done our best to submit everything we can in prayer first. And I think this goes for us as a church as well. As a church, we firmly believe that prayer is a critical part of who we are as Christians. And as a, as a leadership, we, we really take this uh, to heart. And we have prayed for so many things that have materialized and, be, and we have seen God be so faithful in so many different ways because we commit ourselves to prayer. We've, this building that we're sitting in today is, is an answer to prayer. The, there are businesses around the city where we have prayed saying, God, give us more people in those businesses. And God has been faithful and he's done that. There are financial needs that we have as a church that, and that we want to bless others as well, which we have prayed for. And God has come through way more than we could have ever expected in, in so many different uh, occasions. And uh, it's something that we, 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 we live out so much that sometimes I actually wonder to myself, how do people do it? How do people who don't know Jesus get through the day? How do people who don't have that anchor of hope, that relationship and that conversation with God how do they get through like, a pandemic as well? Uh, there was a, there's a famous um, uh, evangelist uh, and preacher from the late 19th, early 20th century by the name of Smith Wigglesworth, and some of you may recognize that name. And he was known for incredible acts of faith where he would do outrageous things, but because he was living a life of prayer, uh, he, he got to see incredible things happen. And he, he is quoted as saying, uh, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. And it's because he knows Jesus and he has a relationship with Jesus. So he's not sitting there all day doing nothing else but praying, but he's constantly reconnecting into, into Jesus and reconnecting into the Spirit. So 
we're going to kick off with looking at the Lord's Prayer because this is actually what Jesus has said to us is how we should pray. So before I uh, jump into this, um, I just want to say what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and connect the Lord's Prayer with the armor of God. And we're going to see how this design of the Lord's Prayer that God has given us connects to how we're supposed to armor ourselves. So let's, uh, let's read this uh, together. So it's found in, uh, in Matthew 9, sorry, Matthew 6, verse 9, excuse me. It'll come up on the screen again. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, may, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So before we, before we start connecting this to the armor, there's something that I really want to highlight with this prayer and its purpose. The, Jesus is not teaching us to say these words over and over every day. This is not what he's trying to tell us. What he's doing is giving us a blueprint, design for how we need to approach prayer. So what do we need to do when we consider prayer? And uh, another famous uh, Christian author and, and apologist by the name of C.H. Spurgeon, he might be... Um, uh, the name might be recognizable to, to a few of you. He had this to say about the Lord's Prayer, which I really felt just resonates with what I'm, what I'm trying to say. This prayer of Christ is a great chart, as it were. But I cannot cross the sea on a chart. It is a map, but a man is not a traveler because he puts his fingers across a map. And so a man may use this form of prayer and yet be a total stranger to the great design of Christ teaching it to his disciples. So what Jesus is teaching us is fundamental instruction, guidelines, right? It's, it's how we equip ourselves for our walk with God. It's how we arm ourselves with what we need to do when we pray. He's not prescribing us to say these words or use this as a mantra in a day-to-day -day, uh, um, day -day way. And this is quite funny because I, I went to a, a, an all-boys school in, uh, in South Africa and uh, we, we had assemblies, so we would all gather as a school every Monday and every Friday, and a thousand teenagers standing in a room, and we would recite this prayer in Latin. The school didn't teach Latin, but we had to say this every Monday and every Friday, so much so that probably every boy that went to that school could recite the Lord's Prayer in Latin back to you if you asked them. Pardon, Master Quasen, Kali, Sanctificator, Nomentum. I can recite the prayer for you if you like. Yet, very few of those boys would probably tell you more than the first line, which I found to be a bit odd as a Christian. I was like, this is a fundamental guidance and instruction on how we are to talk to God, and yet we're, we're treating it like a, like a mantra or like a, something we do. And the reason we did this at the school is because we did it for over 100 years, so it's just something we did. So we just carried on doing it. I'm not sure if they still do it today, but it's just something that, that really has stuck out to me, is if we only grasp there is a fundamental design in here that's going to bring us closer to what Jesus wants us to do when we talk to God. So what we're gonna do is we are going to go line by line and we're gonna see if we can relate each verse of the scripture to a piece of the armor of God. Now I'm just going to keep an eye on the time so that I don't go on too long. So verse nine, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So this line really is a, a symbol of the belt of truth. And the first line, basically what it's doing is it's reminding us of our position relative to God. 
So if you look at the, the Greek word for hallowed be, because this word hallowed be actually only appears in the Bible twice, uh, once in Matthew and once in Luke, and it's both related to the Lord's Prayer. And the, the Greek word is uh, hagiatso, which basically, it's got a, a multitude of different re, uh, reasons, but it basically comes down to, to make holy, to purify, to consecrate. So first and foremost, what we're doing, we're acknowledging an absolute truth. God is God, we are not. God is the ultimate author and perfecter of our faith. He's the creator. He is holy, he is set apart. He is the one that, that is all. He is the ultimate authority in our lives. And we start out of submission to that authority. Whenever we start praying, we start with the truth that we are in submission to him as his followers. No matter our wants, our needs, our circumstances, our feelings, it doesn't matter what's going on in our lives, this is how we position ourselves when we pray. God is God and we are not. He is holy and set apart and we are his. And this, this really ties back to what Jesus calls the ultimate, depart, the ultimate commandment, the, the most important commandment, which is you shall love the God with all your heart, all your mind and all your soul. This is what we are made for. And the reason why I, I say this is the belt of truth is because this should be the thing that holds up the rest of our prayer. Everything else we're praying should be prayed from this place, from this truth, that we are not God, but we serve him. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is now our ultimate purpose. So God is God, we know that now, that's the place of the submission that we are putting in. This is why we are made. Our ultimate purpose is to see his kingdom come. It's to preach the good news, to, to share the gospel. And what I've done is I've linked this particular verse to the gospel of peace, but also the shield of faith. Our desire, our core desire, should be that God's perfect will reigns over this earth and reigns over our lives. I remember um, actually the story of how, of how Robin and I came to Amsterdam. And um, when we, uh, we were dating and we came to visit the city on a holiday, and uh, while we were here, we had made up our minds that we were going to go back home, get married, move back to Amsterdam straight away. That was it. God has called us here, we're gonna go do it. And we got back home, spoke to some of our leaders in our church, and they said, have you prayed about it? And we're like, oh, that's a good point. And so what we started to do is started to pray. And as we started to pray, we realized God was saying, I want you to come to Amsterdam, but I'm not, I have not sent you yet. And so for two years, we had to walk a journey of faith, prayer with our leadership to say, this is what it means to be married, first of all, before you decide to move to another country. This is what it means to be sent. This is what it means to be faithful. This is what it means to uh, live a life dependent on God and not to go, yeah, let's go. And so two years later, we saw the will of God realized in our lives and we were sent and we came here. And I honestly don't know if we would have made it if we had jumped on a plane straight away and moved to Amsterdam all those years ago without going through that journey. Now we have a testimony of faithfulness. Now we have a, a testimony to say, we took two years to get to know ourselves as a married couple. We took two years to dig into what God has for us to learn what it means to be sent, to learn what it means to move from one church family to another. 
And now we get to serve God's kingdom out of a place that is way more effective because we have a strong marriage, we have a solid base, and we, we have a, a wonderful church community. So the ultimate joy that we should have in our lives as Christians is to see God's kingdom flourish here just as it is in heaven. And so we should be really praying as we pray this that deception is defeated, deception is removed, revealed, there's revelation so that God's kingdom can advance. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. So this one I've, I've linked to the shield of faith. Now, as I was preparing for this, something that really struck me was the first two parts of this prayer are not about us. So we're not praying about ourselves first or second or anything to do with our needs. We're praying God first, God second. And the third part of the prayer is, okay, Lord, I actually need some things to do this. I need your strength. I'm dependent on you. And this is because when we pray God first, when we put him first, we then operate out of a place that is most effective. If we're trying to do this first and then go, oh, I'll fill God in at the end, we're gonna really struggle. And we're not gonna be as effective. We also find from this posture, if we put ourselves first, it's really easy to ask for things that God doesn't really want for us. But if we get the order right and we say, God, you're holy, then is me, then we're in a posture where it's very difficult for us to ask things of God that, that don't fit in with what he has designed. What I mean by this is, I am not going to ask God for something if I know what his will for my life is, if it doesn't fit into that will. And I'll give you, uh, I'll give you an analogy. Let's say I'm, a, I'm on a football team or soccer team, depending on where in the world you are from and which phrase you like to use. Let's say that I am the, the striker of the team and, the, and God is the coach. If I'm on match day and I'm on the field, I'm not gonna go ask the coach, yeah, I feel like a pizza and a beer. Is that cool with you? Like the rest of the guys can play the game, but I'm, I'm gonna go and have a pizza and a beer at the pub. That's not gonna fly because I know my purpose is to score goals and win the game for the team. It's not to be in the pub having a beer and a pizza. So when we put God first and the will of the coach or the will of God first, to carry on with the analogy. We know what our purpose is and we know what we can ask for. If I go to God and say, I really want to score five goals this game, great, give it your best, go for it. That sounds amazing. So daily bread here in this part of the scripture, so give us, give us today our daily bread, can really be considered to be two things. One, it's all of our physical needs, so all of our provision, all of the finances, everything that we need to get through the day but also it can relate to our spiritual sustenance. So the grace and the closeness to the Holy Spirit that we need, as I mentioned before, I don't know how people who don't have God do this, but God will give us sustenance throughout the day because we need him every day. And the reason why I know this means, daily bread means more than just our physical needs is because in Matthew 4 it says, man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we need to be having conversation with God every day to get our daily bread. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we, have, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So this one is the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. So not only are we asking God to provide for us, but this really reminds us of our need for his salvation. 
And in Lamentations, it says his mercies are new every day. Why would God's mercies be new every day unless we needed them every day? I, I was just struck by that as well when, re, when reading the scripture going, of course, if he's gonna give them to me every day, I'm gonna take them every day. Because every single day, I need to be reminded of the magnitude of our salvation, of my salvation. And we're, we're human, right? So we, we have human thoughts, human desires, human behaviors every day. And we need God to remind us that every day we have a protection over our salvation and we need to remind ourselves, literally refresh our minds every day as to what he did on the cross and why that is so important for us in our daily lives. You know, the original sin in, in the garden was that Adam and Eve wanted to decide morality for themselves. They wanted to decide what right and wrong was. They said, oh God, we don't need your morality. We want to know so we can choose our, for our, our own way. And what salvation has done is it's reconciled our morality with God's morality. And now we live in a world where morality is fluid. It's shaky. Everyone's getting to decide again, like, the, like Adam and Eve did, their own morality. And what we need to do is every day is remind ourselves, your ways are just. You are holy. God is the ultimate author of right and wrong and of the moral code. Ludo spoke about this uh, last week. Uh, we're living in a post-truth world. And I really encourage you to, uh, to go listen to that preach because I think you did a, a really good job in, in helping us to understand why truth is such an important element when it comes to arming ourselves in spiritual armor. You know, we, we are not of this world, but we are sent into it to, to preach the good news and to advance the kingdom. So if we go into the second part of the scripture, we can see that there is a lot of elements of forgiveness that I really wanted to highlight as well. And this is something that we really need to ask God's help for, is how do we forgive others? And I, I have found this, I've, I've heard so many stories, I had a friend in, in South Africa who, who was in a, in a car accident that wasn't his fault and it drastically affected his life. And he had to learn to forgive someone in a very difficult situation. And it's very difficult to do when we try to do this by ourselves. This is why we need to armor ourselves with the armor of God so we can do these things. We should be so forgiving to people that it should surprise people. We should be so forgiving to others that they should turn around and go, how can you forgive someone for doing something like that? Why? Because Jesus was so forgiven for us, to us that he died on the cross for us. In Ephesians 4, 32, it says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So because Jesus died on the cross and went to that extent to forgive us when we didn't deserve it, we should be so forgiving that people go, I don't deserve to be forgiven. And you go, that's okay, I have Jesus. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the breastplate of righteousness. So the breastplate is designed to protect the heart. Today, as Michiel shared last week, we have Kevlar, right? So the breastplate is for the protection of what we are allowing to penetrate our hearts. And these things might not even be sinful, but they might just be unhelpful or dangerous. Matthew 6, it says, but seek first the kingdom. So the breastplate of righteousness is saying, I'm gonna stop things entering my heart if it's not helping me to seek first the kingdom. Psalm 34, seven, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of the heart. Delight in the Lord is putting on the armor first. 
And once your heart is protected, then God is going to give you those desires. He's going to give you what your heart desires. So there's a, there's a little thing that I do with, with Robin coming back to, to our marriage as well. And she actually didn't know this until she read my sermon notes uh, when I was preparing. And I'd, I'd actually never made a point of, of telling her. But whenever I get a text message from a lady that is not immediate family or her, I'll make a point of telling her. And it's not because she doesn't trust me, it's not because I'm scared of her, it's not because I feel obligated, it's purely because I never ever want there to be anything that can grow in my heart that leads to secrecy or leads to deception that can unravel in the future. I never want there to be a case of her finding anything that she can go, what is this? And while we are 100% today and we have a wonderful marriage, I need to make sure that I don't only protect our marriage that we have today, I need to make sure I protect our marriage of the future as well. So if I've got a strong breastplate on, a breastplate of righteousness, then I'm in a place where I'm not allowing anything into our hearts that can affect what God has called us to be as a married couple. And this is what Paul is saying in, in the Ephesians scripture, Ephesians 6.18, where he says, be alert. You know, it's funny, like in the Roman times, when, when um, the apostles were living with, in, in, in occupied Jerusalem, the Roman soldiers wore their armor all the time. They didn't take it off. It was, they were always ready and alert. Likewise, when, when Paul is actually writing this Ephesians scripture, he's, he's bringing up imagery of the Israelites and the armor that they used to wear, and they were always prepared and ready for battle, because God called them to be. So, now that we've looked at the Lord's prayer, and we've seen how it links to, to the armor, we're gonna look briefly at what are we supposed to be praying for? So the scripture in Ephesians is pretty broad, and that's, I think, on purpose. All kinds of prayers on all occasions. We're supposed to be praying for a multitude of things. But specifically, Paul is saying, pray under all circumstances. Paul was in prison at the time that he wrote this letter. He was in prison in Rome, in chains, as you saw at the end of the scripture. And it's interesting that he is in a very difficult situation and he's encouraging everybody to pray. But that's not the only time we should be praying. We should be praying in the good times as well as the bad times. Paul is also telling his, his followers and his, his team to pray for the church, pray for the people. And this is something that we, as, a, as I mentioned earlier, we as a leadership team, we, we try and do this a lot, as much as we possibly can. Every Thursday morning, early, the leaders of the church, we gather here and we pray, every single Thursday morning. And we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray. And things we pray for range from the Moroccan embassy across the road, our neighbors who we want to see meet Jesus, to other churches in the city, churches we relate to, the city of Amsterdam, our families, our church community, our community leaders. We pray and we pray and we pray and we pray because we are only effective when we realize that this is not our church. This is God's church. And we are operating out of a, a stewardship and we need to be in communication with God who has given us this family to steward as part of his bride. Once a month, on the first Wednesday of every month, we, we meet as a church to pray as well. And it's open to, to everybody. And 
If you can make it, I highly, highly encourage you to join us for that. It's been, obviously, during the pandemic, it's been on, on Zoom or, or some sort of video conferencing. Uh, we've, we've managed to have a few prayer meetings uh, in person. A couple of weeks ago, we did some prayer walks around the park, which was, which was wonderful. We got to pray for the city, pray for our neighbors. But I highly encourage you, if you call this church family, join in with our prayer meetings. It is, it is a place where you not only bring what God is saying to you, but you also get to receive and be really edified and, and built up. And obviously, you know, life happens, and we understand that sometimes things happen and you, you can't make it, and there is grace for that, and we, we do understand that. But I just want to encourage you, if you can make it, join us to pray, because we, we, we regard prayer meeting and prayer as one of the most important facets of how we do our walk with God and how we do life. I heard, a, I heard a quote the other day again, which I'm gonna to read to you, and before I read this, I just, I don't want you to feel any judgment, but I just want you to get the heart of what this quote is saying. So if you haven't made it to prayer or in the pandemic, that's okay, but this is just something that really stood out to me. You can be a Christian and not go to church, but that's like being in a marriage and never going home. And that's how important God sees prayer. So let's look at uh, John 17. In John 17, we see uh, this in action. We see Jesus pray. We see actually how Jesus weaves the Lord's prayer by its blueprint and its design through John 17. And John 17 is actually called the high priestly prayer. And what this means is essentially that Jesus is our ultimate high priest. Back in olden times, the Old Testament times, uh, the high priests were called out from a tribe, the tribe of Israel called the Levites, and they had specific duties. They were responsible for the tabernacle, for the offerings. They were responsible for walking into the holy place. And they essentially were the gap between the people of Israel and God, and they were the representatives. When Jesus died on the cross and when he was resurrected, Jesus became that gap permanently for us. So no longer do we need to have a tabernacle or have a holy of holies and a, and a tribe of priests that walk in and out of the holy of holies, now we have Jesus that can do that for us. I was musing, imagine if Matt had to arrive with the offering animals on a Sunday once a year, you know, a cattle and a sheep and a ram, and go, okay, it's time for the yearly grain offering, or the, the offering, um, one, of the, one of the multiple offerings, and we're gonna sacrifice a cow. I don't think they would go over too well with a chamaeta. Luckily, or thank goodness, that Jesus has died on the cross for us, and so we don't need to perform all these rituals anymore. We now have the ultimate high priest. So not only does Jesus model this in this prayer, but he's actually doing this still today for us. In Hebrews 7.25, it says, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them them being us. So he is in heaven sitting next to God right now and interceding for us. He's praying for us. So not only is this, um, as I said, Jesus do this while he was here, of course, he's doing it in heaven for us because we are also called to abide in him. And the reason why he's interceding for us is because he's saying, abide in me. In John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So now that we are sons and daughters of God, we have adopted into this family, 
This is why prayer is so important, why prayer in the spirit is so important, because Jesus is standing there praying for us. So we need to be connecting into what, that, what is happening. And what really sums up for me is actually the end of John 17, which is John 17, 24 to 26 on the screen. It says, Father, I desire that they also, who you have given to me, given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you love me before the foundation of the world. A righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So for us to continually grow in Christ and grow our relationship with the Father, prayer on all occasions is essential because we need to be so connected with the armor of God, sword of the Spirit, to the Father. And this is the design that he's given us to do that. So, in closing, coming up to wrapping this up, what are the signs that we, we're getting this right? How do we know if we're getting this, this prayer thing and armoring ourselves with the armor of God? How, how do we know that it's working? Well, for one, you'll find yourself praying a lot more. You'll find yourself having a closer relationship with God. And you, you will find yourself having a relational prayer life and not a ritualistic prayer life. And so what I mean by that is you won't pray because you feel like you're obligated to, but you'll pray because you know who Jesus is. You're also going to notice that this, you'll start changing as a person. And the reason why I know this is because Paul tells us in Galatians, as you spend more time in the Spirit, you start to grow fruit. You don't literally start to grow apples and pears, but you start to grow the fruits of the Spirit. And the more time you spend in prayer and the more time you spend in the in the spirits, you'll find yourself being kinder, more generous, you'll have more self-control, you'll be more loving, you'll be more honorable. And this is basically empowered by what Jesus is doing inside of you. He's strengthening you. And this is actually how we are called to win the battle as Christians through growing our fruit to a place that we start winning over hearts with kindness and with love. See, all we, it's, it's really interesting imagery. We, we're arming ourselves with the armor of God because we're gonna win the battle with love and kindness. And we're protecting ourselves from influences that are going to take that away from us. We're protecting ourselves with armor to make sure that we have a sound mind, we have a protected heart, we know about our salvation, we know what truth is. And I think something that I, I find quite striking is that I cannot be this kind without the Spirit. If, 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 I need to, if I want to be as kind as the Bible's asking me to be, I cannot do it without Jesus. It's not possible for me. I don't know about you, maybe it is. I, I, but I, for me personally, I, I'm called to a level of kindness that is not possible in my, with my human ability. And so prayer is actually a, a muscle. It's actually something that we need to develop over time. It's something we need to build. And this is something we do with armor on. Any of you who've watched any training, weightlifting videos, you'll know that the people who have really big muscles normally train with weight packs on them so that they can get bigger. We'll be training with armor on because we're arming ourselves so that we can grow our prayer, our prayer muscles.
So actually, this wisdom, this instruction that Jesus is giving us, it's how we strengthen our relationship. It's how we put on the armor. And we do this because we need to be, be prepared to advance the kingdom. So there's one more thing I want to put on the screen, but I'll read it out to you. So prayer strengthens our faith because we get to know what Jesus is doing in our lives. We get to ask him for things. Prayer reminds us of the miracle of salvation. It refreshes our mind of salvation. As I mentioned earlier, the magnitude of our salvation needs to live in our minds and needs to be protected from what's happening around us. Prayer brings us peace through reconciliation with the Father. Because Jesus died on the cross, we now have peace because we have our rightful place as sons and daughters. Prayer protects our hearts. Operate from a place of prayer, we know what we need to do to protect what we allow into our hearts. Prayer arms us with the spiritual weapons to shine Jesus. Forgiveness, kindness, the sword of the Spirit. And finally, prayer holds us to his truth. So, we're gonna pray together, and then I'd like to invite uh, the guy, the wonderful band, to come up, and we're going to uh, have a couple of songs uh, of worship. Father, we, we stand here this morning, we sit here this morning, just aware of your, your magnificence. You are holy and set apart. You are the creator of everything. You, you are the father to us all. And we say we are positioning ourselves as sons and daughters of the most almighty God. We just pray this morning that we might get to see more of what you are doing in, the, in your kingdom. We wanna partner with you to say your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth. And as we, as we stand here this morning, won't you meet needs that need to be met? Won't you give us the grace and the mercy to live out lives that are, that are called to be dedicated to you? We just stand, Father, in a, in a sense of just absolute bewilderment and awe, saying you are our ultimate protector. You are the defender. Your word is truth. And we just say we are, we are yours. So won't you bring us this revelation, Father, that we are, we are loved by you. And you will not lead us into temptation beyond what we can bear. Won't you help us to shine Jesus throughout the day, Father? Won't you give us the, the tools? Won't you equip us with this armor that we get to represent Jesus in our daily lives? Mm -hmm.